Journey into the Bible and explore its hidden text and rich wisdom. Join Adol Kazilski Mondays at 1 p.m. for the trip of a lifetime. Shavua Tov and welcome to 101.9 High FM. I'm Adol Kazilski and I'm your host for the next 45 minutes where we're going to spend some time learning Torah. As always, we are dedicating it to the safety of our soldiers. Um, all those that need protection, all those that need a refuah shlema to the hostages that are still um, needing to come out to, hol- to, to all of Am Yisrael in the land of Israel and, of course, to the entire Jewish people. It says that Torah provides armament, and so I, I ask of you to spend the next 45 minutes with me um, learning, learning our Bible, learning our wisdom um, and learning what it is that God wants us to do and how we can make this place a better space. If you'd like to join the conversation, 34519 is our SMS line, 0618951019 is our telegram number. We are in the middle, well not in the middle, actually still in the beginning of the book of Exodus. We're in the Parsha of Bo, and we're sitting at the cusp of redemption, I kind of like feel that it's a little bit, um, there's a lot of synchronicity um, over here because I believe that um, overall we're on the cusp of redemption even in the world today. And so there's much to learn from how the Jews left Egypt and what we should be doing now um, during our time. And last week we spoke a lot about the Korban Pesach, the, the, the Paschal sacrifice that um, was sacrificed um, during during the time, just on the eve, on the cusp of Pesach, in the time of the temple, and its origins, which was when the Paschal Lamb was sacrificed, um, the eve of the last um, day that really the Jews spent in Egypt, because that night the angel of death came over Egypt. Um, there was the famous... Death of the firstborn and then immediately afterwards the Jews left Egypt. And I want to take a pause a little bit now <clears throat> and just go back to the, the four days before which actually corresponds to Shabbat Haggadol, the big Shabbat. Okay. And that was the tenth day of the month of Nisan and that was the day that what had to happen was that the Jews, each Israelite, had to purchase a lamb and go and tie it up by the bedpost. And let's just go and understand, I want to unpack why it was called Shabbat Haggadol, the Great Shabbat. And honestly, really what happened from that Great Shabbat is that every year, whenever Shabbat will fall, even if it isn't the 10th of Nisan, it's called uh, before Pesach. We still call the Shabbos before Pesach Shabbat Hagadol. Now, in the time of Egypt, when we were to leave, um, we were to leave Egypt, we, the, this Shabbat Hagadol fell on a, on a Shabbat. That's why it's called Shabbat Hagadol. And the going out of Egypt actually happened, well, the death of the firstborn happened on the night of the Thursday. Um, sorry, first day of Pesach was Thursday. It was the night of Wednesday night. And Thursday that we actually go out of Egypt. So 
let's just understand why it was called the Great Shabbat. And what you're going to go and see is that the emphasis isn't so much that it was the 10th day, day of Nisan, but rather that it was the Shabbat that was important. So <clears throat> what exactly happened when the Egyptians asked why the lamb was being held? The Israelites replied, we're preparing to kill it and we're preparing to sacrifice it to our God. This is what our God has instructed. And really what happened was that this infuriated the Egyptians. It was, it was an act of sacrilege against their deity. And they decided that they were going to sharpen their swords and they were going to have a mass uh, protest and they're going to attack the Israelites. The first reason why it was called Shabbat Hagadol, the great Shabbat, was that, in fact, God intervened in that. He struck all the Egyptians with a paralysis. They couldn't even stand on their feet, says the Midrash, and they remained unharmed. You can just imagine how scary it was being a Jew locked up in their house and they're having these marauding, murderers screaming and shouting that um, they're wanting to kill them. But God stopped them. So... Although this miracle actually continued for all four days um, that the Egyptians had the ability or lack of ability to, to attack the Israelites, the main miracle was on the first day, okay? Because once the edge was removed from the Egyptians' fury, they no longer, they could, they could no longer attack. And that's why it landed up being called Shabbat Hagadol. Um, in answering the Egyptians, we must take note that, in fact, the Israelites also told them, and because they didn't know, that God was preparing to kill all the firstborn of Egypt, and he was going to be sparing the, the Jewish people, and that infuriated them um, even more. So they didn't know what to do. And so since they were disarmed by God and they were, they, 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 it was not able, they were not able to attack them, they then decided that they're going to go and protest at the palace. So what happened when they heard this news is that they went to the palace, they all gathered in protest, and they started screaming at Pharaoh, at Paroi. And basically what they were saying is, that, can't you see that Moses has already predicted that all the firstborn are going to die? We've already seen that every other single thing, every other single prediction has come true. And if you don't let the Israelites go now, we're all dead men. And why did they stage this protest against the palace? Well, the, the, the Egyptians felt that since Paro himself was a firstborn, he would act out of self-interest if nothing else. Like you would think, right? Now, Pharaoh himself was going to be attacked, but guess what? Guess what? We all know our dear friend, Mr. Paroi. It only served to anger him, and what he did is he closed down the palace gates, he locked the palace gates, and he got the protesters dispersed and humiliated, and his only reply, um, his only response to the demonstration was, who do they think they are? Well, can you just imagine how infuriated that made the Egyptians. They couldn't attack the Jews, and their own king didn't care a hoot. This is 101.9 High FM. High FM, your station of choice since 2008.
This is Adel Kozulski. This is 101.9 High FM. We're learning some Chumashna. We're learning what happened in the days just prior to the Jews leaving Egypt. So they were enraged. The, the, the Egyptian firstborns were enraged. And since they couldn't kill the Jews to stop them from doing what they're doing, couldn't get their king, Paroi, to listen to what was happening, they armed themselves and they began a civil war. Because they figured if they couldn't get Paroi to free the Israelites by peaceful demonstrations, they would do so by force. And really what happened in this entire thing is that many Egyptians, they killed each other in the ensuing battles. And that's why when you look at Psalms uh, chapter 136, you'll see that God says he struck down Egypt through their firstborn, meaning through the firstborns themselves, God caused many Egyptians to be killed. And the Midrash goes on to tell us that in fact 600,000, over 600,000 Egyptians were killed in the revolt of the firstborns against Pharaoh's stubbornness. So that is why it was called Shabbat Gadol, because it was a time of incredible disruption and civil war, and and the entire the entire country of Egypt was upside down. But that nevertheless does not. You could go and say it is Shabbat Gadol, but if it happened on the tenth of Nisan, it would make more sense that we call it Hayam Gadol. The great day, and then when we want to remember it, what we should do is just every tenth of Nisan, remember that great day when there was all this disruption. But as I said in the beginning, there seems to be this idea that it's the Shabbat that was great, not the day of the tenth of Nisan. And I'm going to give you five reasons to show you why, in fact, it was Shabbat. Well, the first is, is if we go look, look into Torah, we go look into the five books of Moses, we will know that the Ten Commandments, um, are, are repeated twice. The first is in the Pasha of Yitro. This is when we receive the Ten Commandments. And there, when we look at the Fifth Commandment, it says there, in six days has God made heaven and earth, and He rested on the seventh day, and that's why we have to keep Shabbat, which makes sense. Um, we know that the natural cycle of the of the of the work week is seven days. God created in six days on the seventh. He rested, and so too, as always, since time immemorial, Jews have kept the seventh day, which is Shabbat, as a day where we remember that God created heaven and earth. But if you go look in Devarim. In chapter, which is Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 15, where there is a repetition of the Ten Commandments, there you will see that the reason why we're told to keep the Shabbat is so that you should remember that you were slaves in Egypt and God took you out of that place with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. So now we've got two reasons for keeping the Shabbat. Initially, it was to remind us that God created heaven and earth. But in the repetition, we're told that it is because um, we were slaves in Egypt. So how can we actually understand this? So we need to understand that the main reason for Shabbat is to emulate God's rest after the act of creation. But 
since there was no one alive at the time, it could be, there could be that possibility to deny this creation as, as many atheists do. They deny the fact that there was a proper creation. The exodus, however, clearly demonstrated the laws of nature themselves are subject to a higher power and that by definition would mean then that the universe does have a creator. So it's for this reason that the Shabbat is also bound to the Exodus. Hashem made many miracles at the time. He demonstrated that he was king of the universe. He was creator of the universe, that he created all things in six days. He rested on the seventh. And it is for this reason that our sages ordained that the Shabbat before Pesach is known as Shabbat Hagadol, the great Shabbat. Because it was on that Shabbat that it, it, it dawned on everybody. Everybody understood that the world had a creator. And if you really look at the time span from the time of the Shabbat that was at the beginning of this world, and now we've got the Shabbat um, in Egypt, it was probably the most important Shabbat since the beginning of the world. Because until then it was possible to deny, perhaps, the concept of Shabbat of creation. But in Egypt, the evidence was undeniable. A God who had the power to free the Israelites from Egypt could only be the God who created the world. And that's why God made happen to make the 10th of Nisan come out on a Shabbat because it was more important for us to concentrate on the Shabbat than concentrate on the date of, of, of the month. Um, and all Jews that were in Egypt understood that this God that was taking them out of Egypt had to be the creator of the world. So that's why it's what the first reason why it's called Shabbat Hagadol. Right. Let's take, let's look at another reason. The second reason was the fact that this day, that this day was particularly a Shabbat. And that in itself played a large role in the miracle. Okay. We know that the Jews were keeping Shabbat. In fact, we know that, um, that, uh, that, that, that Moshe Rabbeinu had instituted that the Jews keep Shabbat. And so the Egyptians knew that the seventh day was a holy day for the Jews. But what happened on that Shabbat HaGadol? The Jews actually broke Shabbat because they purchased the lamb on that day. When the Egyptians saw the Jews acting in a strange way, because ordinarily they would not go out and buy a lamb, when they saw that something was afoot, that aroused the curiosity that something more was happening, and that's why they inquired, what are you doing? And that's when this entire debacle with the civil war started to unfold. So it was because of Shabbat itself that it actually rang a bell in the eyes and the ears of the Egyptians that something was afoot. It wasn't the 10th of Nisan. It was the fact that the Jews were acting strange on a Shabbat because they knew exactly how the Jews should act. And that's why it is called Shabbat Hagadol. Another reason is that there was actually a time much later when the 10th of Nisan um, was an important date. 
This is the third reason. Why? Because when you go and look at Joshua chapter 3, verses 15 to 17, if you want to be specific, um, there we see the Israelites crossing the Jordan River to enter the promised land. Now, the crossing of the Jordan also occurred on the 10th of Nisan. So if the 10th of Nisan was celebrated, people might think it commemorated the crossing of the Jordan River and, the, and obviously their entry into the Holy Land. So God did not want to mix up one thing with another. So the Shabbat before Pesach, we, we call it Shabbat HaGadol, to remember the events preceding the Exodus. The 10th of Nisan, we can leave it for Joshua, for, for, for Joshua himself. Okay, the fourth reason was that when we keep the Shabbat, just like the Israelites do, did in the time of Egypt, it's not, um, God forbid, that it was just merely a day of rest. And this is something that we need to, 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 to understand. Shabbat, Shabbat comes to teach us that there is a God in this world. When we keep the Shabbat, we are, we are enacting, um, an allegiance to God. We are keeping Shabbat for the sake of God, not because, oh dear, we need to relax and we need to put our feet up. So that Shabbat before Pesach was an exceedingly important one because as we spoke about the Korban Pesach, what was important there was that the, the Israelites had to totally renounce any belief that they might have had in the Egyptians' religions. And the way that they did it is by procuring the lamb, which was their God. So by them having the guts to bring the lamb into their house, they were renouncing and saying, we don't believe, if we did, anymore in the Egyptian culture and the fact that, that they believed the lamb was a deity. We spoke last week about the fact that... Um, what really happened was that um, the, the 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 whole enactment of the Korban Pesach was a cleansing, was a chuba for the Jews because there were some that really, really believed that the Egyptians were right and that their lambs were a god. And what was actually going to happen on the 15th of Nisan when we walked out of Egypt was that that day, which is the full moon, was the day in the in the calendar for the Egyptians to celebrate their deity, the lamb. So, again, bringing it in made the Jews renounce any allegiance. And so it was Shabbat Hagadol, the great Shabbat, that they actually signed themselves off and said, we believe in God. And this is, um, this is why we are doing what we are doing. The fifth reason, interestingly, is that, as we said before, Moses, when, right, right in the beginning, when he was still in the, the, the palace of Pharaoh growing up, he told Pharaoh to give the Jews one day rest a week. And he arranged that that would be the Shabbat. But it was understood and it was known that as long as the, as the Israelites were slaves, they couldn't really relax on Shabbat. Why? Because the very next day they would be Slaving once again, they um, 
they, 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 they couldn't relax just knowing what they, they, they came into Shabbat completely exhausted, finished, done with. And then when they, it was Shabbat, it was unable, it was very difficult for them to let go because they knew as soon as Shabbat was finished, they were back at, at it again. The first Shabbat where they could enjoy the Shabbat and use it as a time for total spiritual rejuvenation was in fact this first Shabbat because they were no longer slaves. In fact, truthfully, they had stopped working and they didn't have such harsh labor right throughout the ten plagues, but they weren't free. This Shabbat, they were anticipating freedom. They knew after the Shabbat, on the 14th day, they're going to sacrifice and God is going to come destroy the, 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 the firstborn and they're going to walk out. It was the first Shabbat that they could really embrace the Shabbat in its absolute fullest. And so there you have it. The, the, the emphasis on the fact of the, 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 the Saturday, the Shabbat before Pesach being called Shabbat HaGadol was because it was Shabbat. Not because it was the tenth of Nisan, and um, we know that for a very, very long time we have understood, um, and it's been it's been pushed a lot. And, and just recently, we all celebrated the Shabbos project that it says more than the Jews have kept the Shabbat, Shabbat has kept the Jews. And at this point in time, I'd like just to take a bit of a, 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 a breather. And I'd like to tell you a story that's actually just come out of the war, um, where Shabbat, in fact, again, proved to, to, to be the savior of the Jews. The story just came out of a man, I think his name was Yehuda, and he was a, a, a religiously observant Jew, he lived in B'nai Brak, and he was, and this happened around nine months ago. He was traveling around the country, um, he was on some highway, and on one of the highways, he sees a car on the shoulder, and there's a guy that's walking around the car. So he figures he'll stop, and he'll see if he can help him. So he stops, and he um, sees it's a it's a fellow Jew, um, and the, the the guy is stuck, and he says to him, hi, can I help you? So this guy's name was Yaakov. Um, he was a Chiloni Jew. He was a, an unaffiliated Jew, so to speak. He, he wasn't into anything uh, religious or whatnot. He was quite surprised that a religious guy had actually stopped for him. But he said to him, yeah, I'm, I'm stuck. It seems that my car has run out of petrol. And he says, in fact, I have a jerry can, but I don't have, I, I, I can't get to the petrol station. So Yehuda says to him, no worries, give me the jerry can, give me your cell phone, you take my cell phone number. I know that 15 minutes down the road, there's a tzomet, there's an interchange. I will go and fill up the jerry can for you and bring it back. Thank you, thank you, says Yaakov. Off Yehuda went, filled up the jerry can with petrol, and he brings it back to uh, to Yaakov, who duly fills up the car. The car starts, and Yaakov says to him, thank you so much. How much do I owe you? To which Yehuda said, you owe me nothing. I don't sell mitzvahs. I don't sell my mitzvah. Yaakov was really, really taken aback. Unfortunately, for whatever it was, he had a very, very bad um, attitude towards the religious population. In fact, he had a pretty nasty bumper sticker that demeaned and denounced the religious. And he, 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 was, he was gobsmacked that 
somebody who could just be so kind and so nice and he thanks you and he says you know this is the first time that I've met a religious guy and you guys are really nice I, I really really do appreciate it and an appreciation I'm taking off this demeaning bumper sticker so Yehuda said, no sweat, have a nice day, goodbye and good luck. They both went, they, they went their own way. Okay. Um, what happened was when Yehuda, the religious guy, went home, he couldn't help but keep on thinking about Yaakov and that how he had had such a bad attitude towards um, religious people and he decided that he would befriend him. So every era of Shabbat, he would give him a call. He'd go, hi, this is Yehuda. Remember me? I'm the guy with the, the gas canister that took uh, got you petrol. How are you? How's your family? He ended up working out that Yaakov was married. He had a kid. And um, he would say, can I tell you a story? How about me telling you just a little a little story for Shabbat? And, and, and Yaakov was good, was good humored and he said, yeah, why not? And he would tell him a story. And they would wish each other Shabbat Shalom, and this would go on and on for weeks, for weeks. Six, seven, eight months down the line, um, one time in one of these Friday afternoon phone calls, Yaakov, the Chiloni, the secular guy, says to Yehuda, the Frumma, you know, I don't understand. Shabbat must be very hard for you guys. Why, says Yehuda? He says, well, it's so constricting. You can't do anything. You can't go to the beach. You can't uh, pick up your phone. You can't listen to the radio. You can't get into a car. It must be horrific. Like, it, like, like, how, how, how are you able to rest on such a day? It must be terrible. So Yehuda said, actually, the contrary. You know, Shabbat is a day of rest. It's a day of connection. It's a day where, where we all come together as a family. It's actually a superb day. It's a superb day. Um, it, it really isn't anything that you want to say. And then off the cuff, he said to him, Hey, Yaakov, what, what would you, would you like if I could arrange for you to come and spend a Shabbat with me and come and see? Listen, just be open minded. Come and see what a Shabbat is really all about. Yaakov replied, I'll ask my wife. I'll let you know. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Okay, so we're, uh, I'm telling you a story and I left you hanging. So the next week, Yaakov phones, uh, uh, Yehuda phones Yaakov. Yaakov says, I spoke to my wife. We're really, we're game for it. What the heck? Why not? Let's just see. You know, you're a good guy. I know you. I've learned, I've, I've learned to get to know you very, very well. We are happy to come for a Shabbat. Superb, says Yehuda. I'll let you know. Anyway, by the time this conversation, conversation happened, it was just before Rosh Hashanah. Now, if you recall that um, this Rosh Hashanah, all the Yamim Toivim Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, Simchat Torah, they all fell on Shabbat. And Yehuda got himself into a bit of a tiz. He didn't know which was the most appropriate Shabbat to to invite to invite uh, to invite Yaakov and his family. So he went to speak to his rabbi and he said to his rabbi, this is my dilemma. He wants to come for Shabbat. I really want to make it as homely and as, as embracing and as comfortable as possible. I don't know what to do. Okay. Um, so the rabbi said, what's the problem? He says, look, the, the coming Shabbat is Rosh Hashanah. It's two days. It's too hectic. I can't make him stay for two days. He's going to bomb out. And besides Rosh Hashanah, you know how it is. We stay in shul and we daven and it's, it's, a, it's just a hectic time. He's not going to, you know, 
uh, resonate with, with Shabbat being at a time of relaxation and family and whatever. And he says the next Shabbat, it's, 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 it's Erev Yom Kippur and everybody's like all stressed and, 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 and there's just too much and there's slichot and after Shabbat, it's just, it's, uh, I, I can't make it. So, okay, says the rabbi, invited for Sukkot. Sukkot's a lot of fun. Yes, says, 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 says Yaakov, I can. But really, my sukkah is sitting on a little mirpesed on a little like patio. It's not the most comfortable. I sleep in the sukkah, and it's, it's just it's it's going to be too much for him. I don't I don't think he's going to uh, he's going to, to vibrate with that either. So the rabbi looked at it. Why is it not then invited for Simchat Torah? Simchat Torah is a great time. Yes, it is a Shabbat, but it's relaxed, and you know how it is. It's a lot of fun and shul. People are dancing. You know, there's just there's just a lot of happiness around. That's a good idea. So Yehuda says to the rabbi, but I can't. Why can't you do that Shabbat? So now we're down like four Shabbats down the road. Every Shabbat he can't. So Yehuda tells the rabbi, because I've got an old father that lives in Sterot, and there's there's seven of us in the family, and every Shabbat we have a rotation that one of us goes to our father to spend Shabbat. That uh, Simchat Torah is my chance. So the rabbi, being the good rabbi, he says, I've got, I've got a, what's the name? I've got a, I've got a solution. That Shabbat, look after your father, but bring your father to you and B'nai Brak. Not only will you show Yaakov the importance and the beauty and the, 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 the embrace of Shabbat, but you'll also show him that, that you take honoring your father extreme, you know, um, extremely well. Good idea. Yehuda comes home. He phones up, uh, Yaakov. He makes an arrangement. He says to him, you'll come to me Shabbat Simchat Torah. He makes arrangements for his father. And lo and behold, as you all know, that was the Shabbat of the massacre of the 7th of October. But here's the kunz. Yaakov, his wife Rachel, and their little daughter lived on, in Kibbutz Be'eri. They came to B'nai Brak for Shabbat. More than the Jews have kept the Shabbat, the Shabbat kept them. Their lives were saved on that day. And it got even better. His father, Yehuda's father, lived in Sterot. But where did he live? On top of the police station. And we know what happened at the police station on the 7th of October. They eventually had to blow the, the, the police station to smithereens in order to stop the siege. If the, his father had remained in Sterot, his father too would not have seen the light of day. And that's the brilliance and the beauty of Shabbat. So in a sense, we had our own Shabbat HaGadol, not at the time of uh, of Pesach, but we see how much Shabbat has guarded the Jews. And so it's a, a motivation for all of us to have appreciation of Shabbat and to do something towards Shabbat. Finally, I want to tell you about Shabbat HaGadol, that if you take the words Shabbat HaGadol, the Shin stands for Shabbat. The bet has a gematria of, of, um, of, of, of two. The taf has a gematria of 400. Okay? And hagadol has a gematria of 48. So if you take two, four, four, eight, that was the year they left. Shabbat hagadol has the same gematria as the year that they left. Isn't that incredible? So, the Shabbat HaGadol was no ordinary Shabbat. Even though, as always, anybody who commits to the keeping of the Shabbat, we stand 
in allegiance with God. We recognize him as creator of the world, he who took us out of Egypt, and he who has always and is always constantly guarding us. Let's go to verse chapter 12, verse 11, and just do just this verse, because time I can see is running away with us. This was the last law that we have um, regarding the Korban Pesach. This is how you're going to eat it. Um, you're going to eat it with your with your waist belted, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand. You need to eat it quickly with haste. Pesach Hashem. It's a pass offering to Hashem. Now, this is the only part of the Korban Pesach, the um, only law part of the Korban Pesach that we did not keep the rest of the time. All the others of that, this is how it had to be slaughtered and it had to be roasted and, and all of that stuff, we kept every Korban, every era of Pesach when we did the Korban Pesach. It was only this law now that they had to uh, gird their loins, so to speak, have shoes on their feet and a staff in their hand, only applied to this this Shabbat, this, sorry, this Korban Pesach. Okay? Why? And even more, we can ask the question, why did they have to eat it, Bechipazon, um, in, 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 in haste? It's all very symbolic. Having their loins girded was to commemorate, commemorate how Hashem, so to speak, metaphorically strengthened their loins and allowed them to maintain a high fertility rate even though they were harshly treated. Because we know it says that the more the Egyptians oppressed the Jews, the more the Jews increased in number. And that doesn't really, really make sense. Okay? So this was a a symbol of them to remember that they were who they were and they were going out in the vast numbers that they were going out because Hashem preserved them and 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 the 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 women were very very fertile during that time. In fact, we were told they were having six kids at one shot. The shoes on their feet was a was to remind them of the sin of sell, of selling Joseph, where the brothers, if you remember, when they sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites and they got money, they went and purchased themselves shoes. Okay, they were then punished that they would have to need the clay for the bricks with their bare feet. But now, as a symbol that the sin was atoned for, God told the Israelites to have their shoes on their feet when they ate the sacrifice to say, this was done and dusted now. They had paid the price and they were now going out for freedom. And in fact, this entire thing of selling Joseph, the repercussion was this whole Story in Egypt, the whole the whole of, of slavery. We're going to discuss just after the break now why they had to have the staff in their hands and why they had to eat it in a hurry. This is one hundred one point nine High FM. High FM one hundred and one point nine megahertz of life. Right, the final two points. Why did they have to eat with the staff in their hands? That was to symbolize their independence, because until now. The staffs were in the hands of the Egyptians because they would beat them every time they were short of even a single brick from their quota. Now the Jews were holding the staff in their own hands and that showed that they were their own masters. Why did they have to eat so quickly? So to show that they're not enjoying the taste, that this whole Korban Pesach was not about their pleasure but the fact that they were observing a divine commandment. 
meaning they weren't having any physical enjoyment. It was being seen as being eaten as an offering dedicated to Hashem alone. And that's why it says you eat it with a chipazon, with a, a time of, of haste. Okay? Um, there was one last thing that I want to bring to your attention, and that is there was another type of haste, and that is that they were on the 49th level of impurity, and had they wasted a single cent uh, a minute more there, they would have slipped into the 50th gate of impurity, and they would not be able to be redeemed. In fact, that's why we go the other way, the 49 days where we count towards the giving of the Torah to rectify and get out of the 49 levels of impurity. And what will be of us? We've stooped way past the 49th level of impurity. Today we are wallowing in so much work culture and so much like ungodly behavior. It says that at the end of, of, of times, God himself is going to redeem us. In the time of Egypt, Moses redeemed them and Moses was steeped in the 49 levels of Purity, and that's why he could bring them out. If they slipped into the 50th, he wouldn't have been able to do his job. But for us, we've got God himself, and God can do anything, and he will take us out despite the fact that we are in the 50th gate of impurity. And let's let end with the prayer that we see. We see this redemption personally, in our days, in our times, immediately now. Have a wonderful week ahead.